0: us. This is Animation Celery. Crunchy conversations about classic cartoons.
1: Now do the mashed potato, do the candied yam, do the funky turkey. It's
0: time to jam with me, Matsy, And I'm the other host, Micah. On Animation Celery, Matsy and I give each other cartoons to watch. Then we review and discuss them the following week. This time... We're looking at Thanksgiving-themed shows, you know, Canadian Thanksgiving in October. Matsy will be talking about the real Ghostbusters, and I will be looking at Pac-Man, the TV series. First, we have our Freeform section. So, what's going on, Matsy? Uh, Start with wrestling news. Oh, thank God. This is actually kind of
1: relevant. Oh, Um, yeah. A little bit. Um, There is a wrestle man named Brock Lesnar. Yes. He's he's quite well known. He's he's not just a fakey, fake wrestle man. He was like a legitimate, like, collegiate wrestling champion. He was the UFC heavyweight champion. So he's like, you know, a known quantity. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that on wrestling TV, he rarely ever talks. He has a manager, Paul Heyman, who talks for him. Okay. And recently I saw a video pop up on YouTube and I guess on on whatever show, SmackDown or whatever, um, he actually talked significantly. And I saw a video on YouTube. It was like, rare Brock, Brock Lesnar promo. And I kind of went, ooh, I, I want to hear what this guy's voice sounds like because I don't watch wrestling anymore. Okay. But out of curiosity, I was like, oh, what does Brock Lesnar sound like? And the reason I'm bringing this up is that he sounds a lot like... Steven's dad in Steven universe.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It It was.
1: (laughs) It was pretty remarkable. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's just a minor thing. The main thing is um, this past weekend, I stumbled upon the first episode of Disney's latest series. Mm -hmm. It's called The Ghost and Molly McGee. Okay, So. This is the latest in their string of cartoons about a early teenage girl of diverse ethnic background. Uh So following up, Anne from Amphibia, who is Thai, and Luz from the Owl House, who is Hispanic, we have Molly McGee, who is half Thai, half white. Okay. So just if you're keeping track, it's Thai, Hispanic, half Thai. Hmm. Now, okay, bear with me, because the concept of this show, like, it seems simple on its face, but there's actually a lot of moving parts here. Uh, Mm -hmm. The concept is that there is this ghost named Scratch. And in ghost culture, ghosts are assigned a town that they have to make miserable. And Scratch, yeah, Scratch does a great job of making his assigned town of Brighton miserable. It's just a, a cesspool of misery. Everybody there hates it. Um, but Scratch himself is such, such an obnoxious character that even other ghosts don't like him. He's voiced by Dana Snyder, hmm. uh, which is to say Master Shake from Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Okay. Who I love because that's he has such a funny voice. OK. And I'm, I'm always happy to see him star in something. So you get with that voice in mind and think about Master Shake like that gives you an idea of this obnoxious ghost. And his afterlife is turned upside down when the McGee family moves into his dilapidated house. And specifically Molly McGee, their their teenage daughter, uh, decides that. Scratch's attic is going to be her new bedroom. And she is one of these characters who is like overwhelmingly happy and positive about everything. Um, and The reason for this is that their family moves around a lot. And so she's just she always wants to try to make new friends and make the best of everything. It's her way of coping with moving around. It's just to be endlessly optimistic. Yeah. And rather than being terrified of the ghost in her house, she loves it. It's kind
0: of like Beetlejuice. Yeah. I was going to say like Casper.
1: Yeah. Um, well, no, because Scratch hates like Scratch doesn't want ah. them in her his house. OK. Um, now, he <laughs> he decides to curse Molly and he, he says, like, if you're not going to leave, then I'll be there with you all the time. I'm never going to leave you. And she's like, oh, awesome. And he's mm. like, uh, wait, no. And so now his curse has backfired where he is bound to Molly, who is happy to have him. And he's he's kind of looked carefully at the curse or he and his council of ghosts have looked carefully at the curse. And the starting point, if you won't leave, is the key. He's he's stuck with Molly and she can summon him much like Beetlejuice by saying his name okay, uh, against his will. And the way to break the curse is to get her to leave. So it's about her trying to fit in the second. It's one of those cartoons where it's two part episodes, right? Okay. And, and the second half is her going to a new school and getting on the wrong foot with the, you know, the snotty girl who is like,
0: <laughs> she kind of runs everything. Man. Even though, the fa- even though nobody likes her. You were saying that, you know. That these are kind of uh, done by template. That's part of the template. At least it's not um, a girl going into another world. Yeah, that's true.
1: OK. Um, but anyway, she gets on the wrong foot. This girl's name is Andrea. Mm-hmm. And her thing is that she hates it when people call her Andrea. Okay. Which, of course, um, uh, Molly immediately does. And so. Earnestly, though,
0: right? Because that's her character.
1: Yeah. She's like Andrea. And well, there's this scene where she's like, or sorry, Andrea, or was Andrea the right way? Andrea. And she's trying all these different vowel sounds, trying to remember what the right pronunciation is, just getting Andrea more and more angry about it. Hmm. Um, But the point here is a couple of things. So, as I said, Molly's trying to fit in. Scratch is kind of warming up to her a little bit because he sees a bit of himself, you know, like the fact that she's not accepted by anyone. He sees a little bit of himself in that. Okay. Also, he wants to get unbound from his curse. And something that's alluded to is the fact that people are, you know, the, the kids kind of like Molly. You know, they're towards the end, they start to get friendly with her again. And this is causing the misery level in Brighton to go down. Ah, okay. So, like I said, it's only been one episode so far, but you can see the moving parts of Molly trying to fit in, trying to befriend Scratch, Scratch warming up to her, but also wanting to get rid of her and Molly's presence in town defeating. Because the other thing is, if the ghosts don't do a good enough job of keeping their town miserable, they are banished to the flow of failed phantoms. Okay. So Scratch... He doesn't know it, but we, the viewer, know that he is in danger because if things get too happy in Brighton, Scratch
0: is doomed. Hey. So I am, I'm interested in seeing where this goes. Yeah. I'm looking at the character designs. I think she's pretty cute. I think she is.
1: Yeah. She's got this, like this ripped jean vest with pins on it and, you know, a skirt with shorts underneath and everything like kind of like her
0: uh, red and yellow sneakers.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. She's a cool character design. I, I, I don't like Scratch. Well, the thing is, Scratch is supposed to look disgusting. He kind of yeah. looks like an old man in Ren and Stimpy.
0: Well, I'm looking at it, you know, obviously not seeing him in motion, but I think yeah. he looks like a bit of a marshmallow minion.
1: Hell <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, his, you know, his, his nose and eyes can fall off and stuff and he can like okay. change shape and turn into slime and, you know, ghost stuff. Hmm. So, yeah, that's, um, that's what I watched. And I was like, I'm, I'm willing to give this a shot. I am, I am interested in seeing what an episode two of this is like. Hmm. So what about you? Do you have a ghost themed thing? Because boy, this episode.
0: (laughs) Um, let's see. Do I, uh, if I stretch, I have a bunch (laughs) of things actually. Okay, go ahead. Uh, first a little bookkeeping. So I think. Uh, we were remiss not to mention that in uh, Name Shame of Mighty Bee, that when the mailman comes, Bessie is practicing her mimery. Yes. It was in full mime makeup, mm-hmm. which just backs up my belief that uh, mimes are present to a degree in cartoons that is many multiples uh, to <laughs> the extent they are in real life. yeah 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 yeah, we had this discussion before where neither you or i could remember if we'd actually seen a mime in real life yeah the goofy movie yeah i'm pretty sure i have oh yeah i don't even have that one down here so yes mighty bee has got a mime the goofy movie uh star versus the volcano feature Volcano star versus the forces of evil. What the hell am I writing here versus Joe
1: versus the forces of evil?
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's weird. Anyway, star versus the forces of evil features a mime. Uh, And an episode that I mentioned about uh, my life as a teenage robot has a mime. Mm. Of course, when I order the Animaniac sketches, there's mime time. Yep. And Mimery is featured in an episode of Popey, the performer. (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of darn mimes for a 29-episode podcast.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about it now. Like, we haven't talked about it, but uh, there's a mime in an episode of Powerpuff Girls. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Um, yeah, it's a clown who gets the color drained out of him because, like, a truck of bleach falls on him. Yeah. And so he turns into—I <laughs> actually found this is funny. He's The narrator refers to him, because he doesn't talk to give his own name, of course. Right. But the narrator says that he is Mr. Mime. Oh, huh. which is pretty funny to me, because as we all know, that's a Pokemon who talks. Yeah. Well, as much as Pokemon's do.
0: Yeah. Um, Did you know that there's an evolution of Mr. Mime? I think I yeah, I think it doesn't he look even worse? Yeah, well, it's
1: in it's in Pokemon Sword and Shield, which is based on Britain. Yeah. And so he's got like a mustache and bowler cap and everything. OK. And and he's an ice type and he's called Mr. Rime.
0: Huh. Okay, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) Pokemon uh, loosely leads into some news of the day. Yeah. Uh, I saw the uh, reveal of the final character for Smash Ultimate.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't, I, I forgot about it. And then I just went to the YouTube homepage and I just, I saw all these channels of like you know, I didn't get to see the
0: surprise of it. I saw
1: Sora's in right. Smash.
0: i like, oh, that, right, that. You know, I, with all the speculation about who characters were and people throwing out names, you know, ridiculous things like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Mortal Kombat characters and uh, I thought Doom guy. I was amazed. You know,
1: you know, one that really didn't go away was Goku from yeah. Dragon Ball.
0: Yeah, no way. But no. I felt that Sora was the least likely character, Mm. that there'd be no way that they could resolve all of the, uh, well, Disney essentially. Yeah. So kind of amazing. I was totally wrong there.
1: Yeah. I think I saw, I don't know how true this is, but I saw someone tweet that it cost Nintendo like $400,000 just to have the Mickey Mouse logo for 12 seconds in the trailer. Huh. Because if you notice, I, like, yeah, there, there are no Disney characters in any of Sora's moves. No, uh, the only thing Disney is the little Mickey Mouse keychain on his sword. And it would be I would believe it if that wasn't on the character model. Like if they just had no Disney yeah. like stuff anywhere yeah, exactly. in Smash Brothers, like then it's all Square Enix.
0: Yeah, they didn't have to do that. I'm, I would have thought it would have been the other way around where Disney would have insisted that it was there.
1: Mm, Yeah. 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 True.
0: Anyway, um, I think that's a that that lives up to the hype, I think, for the final character.
1: Well, I'm led to believe that it was the most requested character.
0: That's what they claim on their smash ballot from uh, the uh, 3DS days.
1: Yeah. Like 2014 or 15 or whatever that was. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So
1: I I thought for sure they were going to because they have they had a Final evolution of the water-type starter from one of the previous games, Greninja. And then they right. have—or no, water. they have the water-type starter, Greninja, and they have a fire-type starter, Incineroar. I thought they were going to do the grass-type starter from Pokémon Sword and Shield, which would be Rillaboom. But I guess that character's kind of static. He's got, like, a set of drums in front of him.
0: That could have been interesting, though, because uh, there's a slight rhythm aspect to— uh uh, we fit. Oh, yeah. And they could have had that there, right? Where he had moves that would have been done with executing his attack and special buttons and rhythm. Dun, 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 dun. I guess. Hmm. I don't know. People got what they wanted. Yeah, most people, I think, mm-hmm. aren't that unhappy about it. But, um, anyway, moving on. It's funny, I have so many things. I, there's one thing that I'd forgotten. Uh, when i was when I was thinking about what to talk about at this beginning here um I watched the movie for my little Pony a new generation oh that yeah, yeah. I saw that that existed i haven't i I haven't seen it hmm uh, at the beginning of it, I thought that maybe I wasn't gonna watch the whole thing <laughs> uh-huh okay because it doesn't really. It comes off a little slow at the beginning, you Mm know, like when part of it is that there's not that big a break between series, unlike Friendship is Magic, I guess. Um, And Friendship is Magic came at you like right at the beginning comes at you with mythology, you (laughs) know, that there's there's an alicorn goddess who brings the sun up into the sky And, you know, in the first handful of episodes, you get to see all these different monsters and enchanted areas and the like.
1: Yeah, multiple great threats that were sealed away a thousand years ago.
0: Yeah, whereas this one just kind of begins in an Earth Pony town that doesn't have a lot of that magic and mythology to it. Um, The premise in this one is that the Earth Ponies, Unicorns, and pegasi are uh all prejudiced against each other and have split long ago and not seen each other for a long time
1: um, um and this is a s- is is there any relation to friendship is magic here like is it a sequel
0: hard to tell i can't i really cannot tell at the beginning it starts with a scene from friendship is magic okay a- and then it devolves when rarity starts acting out of character and then you see it's three earth pony uh earth pony children playing with dolls of the characters from friendship is magic so this sounds like it is a sequel maybe like i say hard to tell
1: and that worries me well it doesn't worry me but it kind of like you're talking about lore well do you hang on i'll let you finish and then I'll go into the thing that I immediately notice here because maybe you noticed it too.
0: Well, th- there's a thing, right? I can't tell if it's all fictional or if that's like ancient history. Um, I mean, some things don't make any sense then, right? Like I guess weather would happen without Pegaside doing it, <laughs> for example. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good um, point. And I mean, I, they don't run into a lot of the same monsters that ha- seem to exist in the world. And, and there's like a map of Equestria, I bet if I looked at it more closely, I could have figured out whether it was the same map or not.
1: Mm. Well, uh, I mean, the map the Equestria is basically North America.
0: Well, yeah, it kind of just showed part of it, I guess. Yeah. So it was hard to tell. And anyway, it, it picks up a little bit. And may <laughs> when, when what's her name? What's her name? Uh, Izzy Moonbow shows up. She's the first unicorn we see. Okay. She is, Essentially, the Pinkie Pie of the series. <laughs> All right. She doesn't break the fourth wall and do things that are that crazy, but she's a bit of a manic pixie dream mare, if you will. Mm-hmm. But very cute design. So, you know, I was hooked then. <laughs> okay. All right. And <laughs> I guess things rhyme, you know, like between series in the sense that they introduce a uh, Pegasus with a butch haircut. Heh. <laughs> It's kind of a, kind of a tomboy, you know? Right, right. Like, overall, it was okay and fun. It was kind of skewed standards because I'd gotten used to being disappointed watching My Little Pony. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's some things that are kind of silly and, and yeah, yeah. there's, there's some leap in logic in this, like <laughs> maybe, Hey, wait a minute. Your people have a crystal. My people have a crystal. Maybe if we put them together, we'll solve all our problems. <laughs> like they don't. They don't get that from anything. You know, right. they see it like they see it in a mural that those crystals are joined together and they just make that leap that, you know, why don't we mm. do this and then we'll fix everything. But mm. anyway, it's, it's not bad. And I assume that a series is forthcoming. The, uh, the voice cast, I would bet would lose some of its star power <laughs> if it went right. to series, maybe, but I'll tell you that um, Izzy Moonbow, that uh, uh, goofy unicorn is voiced by Kimiko Glenn. So, oh, okay. yeah, goofy goofy horses everywhere. Yeah, that's her thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That's her her new thing. So I'm giving a soft recommend.
1: My concern here is that Mm -hmm. this idea that the three types of pony have been splintered Mm -hmm. uh, goes directly against an episode of Friendship is Magic. Mm hmm. Uh, I think it's called Hearth's Warming Eve or something like that. was their Christmas equivalent, which kind of told the backstory that the three races of ponies were separate and their prejudice against each other caused creatures called windigos to come and like freeze the land under an eternal blanket of ice until they could get along. It was actually kind of dark because it sort of what it said to me was, oh, ponies have to be friends or the land will be encased in an ice age. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so now you're telling me years in the future, question mark. Maybe, yeah. But let's make that assumption. Years in the future, uh, the ponies are all prejudiced. Like, did they find a way to eliminate Wendigos? And they're great. Now we don't have to be friends anymore.
0: I don't, th- I don't think we see any. The closest thing we see to a monster is the uh, Pegasus royal family has a winged dog. <laughs> Okay. But yeah, we don't really see any monsters in the storyline. Actually, one of the things I thought was really strange was if you wanted to think this was in the future from Friendship is Magic, that Mm -hmm. they're pretty advanced. Like the Earth Pony Town city we start in is really advanced and they have a uh, military industrial complex, if you will, (laughs) built, built around paranoia against unicorns and pegasi. Oh, boy. So they have, like, lots of anti-foreigner anti- weaponry that's really high-tech. Sheesh. And then when they go to the uh, Pegasus City, it's uh, this lofty uh, metropolis up on top of a mountain with skyscrapers and art deco everywhere, and everything's you know, really advanced. Um, there's actually features... The, the princesses... Uh, there's two uh, Pegasus princesses. The one is a butch tomboy who questions uh, their role, and uh, uh, well, I won't give away what's going on with the storyline. But but okay. the uh, the other one is a diva, literally, who broadcasts her uh, her performances and is constantly tweeting out on her cell phone. So it's hmm. got a different vibe, right? But yeah. here's the funny thing: by contrast, is they go to the unicorn. Uh, area last, which is like an enchanted forest. Okay. Well, it's not so enchanted. And when they get there, one of the things I think is kind of funny is how low tech they are. Mm. Um, the challenge they have there is there's um, there's there's a slick unicorn there that that uh, the main character has to overcome. Okay. And he bait and switches. He what she thinks is going to be an easy challenge for a harder one. Which is dance, dance revolution, <laughs> but but it's like low tech. So um, there's like rather than video, it's got uh, uh, like mechanical meters that go up and down. And there's uh, some armadillos on a, on a wheel <laughs> running to power it. <laughs> it's the Flintstones. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Does the armadillo look at the camera and go,
0: it's so all <laughs> <laughs> every." Yeah, right. <laughs> so I thought it was funny that the unicorns are so backward. In this. Well, I guess, you know, it's like
1: D&D, you know, how you can go like tens of thousands of years and you have magic. So nothing ever goes Technology never advances, you know. They, right. There's one world in Eberron that has robots.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, gosh. I guess I'll I'll leave one more thing uh, uh-huh. for my news segment here. Sure. Have uh, uh, you ever watched uh, Little Nemo in Slumberland? I've played the video game. There was a feature back in the 80s yeah it was like the late eighties early nineties yeah yeah it totally totally failed. It was just a box office failure uh-huh um but gorgeous animation mm-hmm it was done by t m s which uh by now we've established basically animate all the good episodes of the cartoons we used to watch oh right, okay, yes, so the good rescue rangers and, yeah, yeah you know all the good Disney afternoon and tiny Toons and so on mm-hmm. um they the studio TMS apparently had been toying around with the idea of making a little Nemo movie for a decade because from 80 to 87, they kept making little Nemo pilot episodes. (laughs) So I watched that series of them. Oh, okay. And yeah, it's kind of interesting, especially seeing the, the progression of that studio to becoming a powerhouse. And one of them, uh, that kind of plays more like a movie trailer Mm because it's just like disjointed scenes. Yeah. That resemble the final movie was <laughs> uh directed by Yoshifumi uh Kondo, who directed one of my favorite movies, Whisper of the Heart. Oh. So it was fun to see something else he directed since he had died a little too young, but mm, unfortunately. Yeah. Um hmm. so those were really interesting to watch. Little Nemo's kind of funny. It's people's criticism, criticisms of it are correct, and yet The artistry is so high that I think it shouldn't be dismissed.
1: Mm, Sure. Yeah. I got Uh, nothing against Little Nemo. I mean, that uh, Winsor McKay was the cartoonist. Um, We've talked about
0: him before. He did uh, How a Mosquito Operates. Yeah. But, you know, you know, uh, one of the respects in which it was done dirty, this movie. So it did poorly. And then but, you know, it doesn't matter these things get re-released in the, the era of physical media, right? Yeah. The VHS they released of it was on SLP recording. So it was missing a lot of its frames for yeah. the sake of, I guess, saving some videotape. <laughs> Sheesh. Yeah, pretty sad. Well, like
1: I said, at least we have the NES game.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> which which I remember being pretty solid. hmm Unlike the NES game for Ghostbusters. Oh, boy. That, well, I mean, that was, okay,
1: that, that, I mean, that was based on an existing NES game for other, whatever. Ghostbusters, yeah. Yeah. So, I got this episode, okay. Let's, let's set things up a little bit. This is the real Ghostbusters, which is a cartoon series that ran from, I think it started in 85, or 86, shortly after the movie, which was 84. Mm. uh, I think it ran into the 90s, but there's always been some kind of incarnation of it. There was like Ghostbusters Extreme at some point. Mm. Um, Something worth noting is the the legal aspect of this. So in the 70s, there was a live action show called Ghostbusters, two words. And when... Uh, When they were making the Ghostbusters movie, when Dan Aykroyd was working on it, they they figured out some kind of a, you know, legal agreement to use the name Ghostbusters. But when the movie was a huge hit, disagreements showed up on what the animated the the, how the you know, because it was the 80s and everything was going to be merchandised. And so they needed to find some kind of way to work on this with this other company owning the name Ghostbusters. Oh. So what they did was this company got filmation of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe fame to make their own Ghostbusters with Blackjack and Hookers. Not really. Oh. But th- so they made a they fast-tracked this cartoon called Ghostbusters, which has nothing to do with the movie. It's one of those cheap
0: cartoons that was on YTV. <laughs> You know, I want to check it out sometime. But yeah, but you know on.
1: what? Like early on when we started this podcast. Yeah. That was like the atom bomb bad thing that I was waiting for the right
0: moment to spring on you. The I, I do Ghostbusters. It's... Filmation's got quality, though. I don't know that it'd be bad. Yeah. But anyway. anyway, the point
1: is the um, Paramount or whoever. I think it was Paramount. Hmm. Um. They actually, it's Columbia now that I'm thinking about it. Whatever, yes. Um, they obviously wanted to make a cartoon that was based on the movie, and so their way around this was to call it the real Ghostbusters, <laughs> which is sneaky. So, if you astounding,
0: why yeah. did that work?
1: Yeah, okay. yeah, really. So, if you've ever wondered. That's the reason, because some other company owns the name Ghostbusters, and there is another cartoon called Ghostbusters out there. But this is the real Ghostbusters, and this episode you gave me is called The Revenge of
0: Murray the Mantis. You know, to me, they were the real Ghostbusters, though. I love this show. So oh. they were more the Ghostbusters to me than the ones in the movie. Not that <laughs> I didn't like the movie, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: It, well, yeah, I mean, it's it's a pretty good cartoon. All right, let's get let's get into it here. This is Revenge of the Murray. The man is a here it goes. All right. So, oh, um, if anybody doesn't know, the idea of Ghostbusters is that there's these four guys, Ray Stans, Egon Spangler, Peter Venkman and Winston Zedmore, who are ghost catchers. They use these proton packs to shoot lasers at ghosts, which holds them in place so they can put this little vacuum trap underneath, which then sucks the ghost into it. And they can put it into a containment unit tank in their fire hall headquarters. That's basically Ghostbusters. Oh, also, they have a pet ghost named Slimer. Hmm. And a secretary named Janine. Okay, so here we go. This episode, clap, clap. Ray Stans and Egon Spangler are setting up an airlock that will allow them, question mark, to enter the containment unit because Egon wants to be the first ambassador to open diplomatic relations with the spirit world. Although we then see that Slimer is actually the one who travels to and from the tank. Um, funny note here, Ray bribes Slimer by telling him that Peter keeps his jelly beans under his pillow. And that mm. seems like a weird piece, a weird place to keep jelly beans. But I had to go and check out another episode because um, there was a voice actor. I don't remember who it was now, but I read this voice actor was doing the voice of Lewis Tully, who is the Rick Moranis character from the movies. Right. And I was like, I want to see how this, oh, it was Roger Bumpass, who is uh, Squidward in SpongeBob. Yeah. He's like, he's doing Rick Moranis. Okay, this I got to see. And so I went and looked at this episode and part of this episode was Peter in bed with a stomach ache talking about eating junk food. And he sits up at some point saying that he doesn't have junk food. And then all these junk food wrappers fall out from under his pillow. So I guess it's established that Peter keeps stuff under his pillow.
0: That's nice continuity.
1: (laughs) Yeah, kind of. Yeah. But anyway, this whole thing, I mean, the chances that this relates to the main plot and will come up again is like that would be too convenient, right? Like that they would set up an important piece of equipment and then immediately need to use it. (laughs) <laughs> so let's forget about this right. airlock for now. It's probably not important. All right. The main I, thought you're, I thought you were
0: talking about the jelly beans. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. I mean, that is also unimportant.
1: <laughs> I just wanted to talk about Peter with his junk food. OK. But yeah, the, the jelly beans are not important. Yeah. And this and this uh, airlock is probably also not important. All right. The main point is that tomorrow is the Thanksgiving Day Parade in New York. This is set in New York, by the way, um, as evidenced by the multiple jokes at least one per episode about how much new jersey sucks yes (laughs) i'd rather live in newark yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh okay so the thanksgiving parade and the ecto-1 there in this episode in this cartoon they say it's an ambulance but in the movie it's a
0: hearse i know winston screws up yeah yeah
1: well maybe i mean maybe they thought a hearse was too dark i guess Although there is a morgue, I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, right. so they're shi- it's 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 their it's their emergency response vehicle, which they call the Ecto One, and Winston and Peter are shining it up because they're going to be in the parade. Although Peter's main plan is to attract women because he's a lech, like that's kind mm. of his character. Like to describe these characters, um, Egon is a straight-laced scientist. Uh, Ray is also a scientist, but he's more childlike and fun. Uh, Peter just wants women and Winston is the black one. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that night in a warehouse, there are workers inflating a balloon of the famous cartoon character, Murray, the Mantis. It's funny that there's a character named Murray when Bill Murray played Peter Venkman in the, anyway, uh, there's a woman from the network Anne Lawson, and she's creeped out by the place. And a worker explains to her that it used to be the city morgue. And, Since this is New York in Ghostbusters, and this is a place where dead people used to be, that means that a latent spirit takes residence inside the balloon. It comes in through an air vent on the side of the air pump, which annoyed me because they always do this in cartoons where they fill balloons with air and then they float. But then Mm. later, Egon says that it's full of helium. So, okay, but also what the heck? Right. Anyway. OK, so the next day, the Ghostbusters are in the parade, all four of them, plus Janine. So nobody's back watching the uh, firehouse. Uh, the four white people are crammed into the front and the one black guy has to sit in the back of the bus where I guess he belongs in 1986.
0: <laughs> oh, God. Well, you said that was his role, right? In the show? <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but it's OK, because once the parade proper starts, Winston gets to drive. And this allows Peter and Ray sitting on the roof to get a good look at the Maria, the mantis balloon behind them. But before long, the mantis gets out of control Anne shows up and asks Peter to shoot down the balloon. And of course he obliges because he wants to get in her pants. But when he blasts it with his proton pack, the balloon explodes and is replaced by a giant monstrous praying mantis. Everybody runs and the mantis chases the Ghostbusters into Central Park. Along the way, Anne... Oh, she uh, jumped on top of the uh, car, by the way. Mm. Uh, Anne explains, you know, the circumstances of the balloon being filled in a morgue, while Winston worries that people are going to blame them for creating the creature, because they always blame the Ghostbusters for creating ghosts in Ghostbusters. Uh, From Anne's explanation, Ray understands what went wrong immediately. He gives the deets to Egon, and Egon calculates that... (sighs) It could be as powerful as Gozer. All right, here's some background. Gozer, for those who haven't seen the movie, was the main villain of the Ghostbusters movie. Was a god so powerful that the Ghostbusters had to use their weapons in a way that would tear apart the fabric of reality to defeat them. So, they do this. I always like it when the cartoon references the movie.
0: Except this feels a little willy nilly. They
1: they almost always reference the movie by comparing the thing they're fighting to Gozer. Right. Like it's more powerful than Gozer. It's as powerful as Gozer. Gozer was a god. How are there that many other minor ghosts? Like some spirit energy from a morgue floated into a balloon and now it's as powerful as a god.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Too far. But I do. I do like it when they reference the movie because they don't very much. Anyway, well, it's it's funny you mentioned Lewis Tully that he's not in this series at all until Ghostbusters 2 comes out. Yeah. And then they have to inject him in in a hurry. And I, I didn't appreciate it. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Anyway.
1: You know, in the movie, there's a running gag of Lewis always being locked out of his apartment. Yeah. And it wasn't until, like, within the past year that I realized... His role as Gozer's servant is the key master. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like that joke completely went over my head for like forty years. That's pretty subtle. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's still funny. Like, good job writing that, Ivan Reitman and Dan Dan uh, Dan Aykroyd. Yeah. Okay. So where were we? Okay, so since this thing is as powerful as Gozer, Winston posits that their only option is. The big guy. They head back to the firehouse where Egon runs the numbers, and it's pretty clear that there is no other option. The big guy. They reference Star Wars here. Very yes. specifically, they say if Darth Vader loaned us the Death Star. I was kind of amazed by that. Like, I don't think this is the same company that owns Star no, Wars. No, that'd be Fox. That, that's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah,
0: I like that they did that
1: in this show. It It is. It's It's amazing. It was shocking. Okay, so, yeah, they need the big guy. And to do that, they have to, hey, use that airlock to get into the containment unit. And they need Slimer. So he's bribed with unreasonable amounts of food. So he goes in. The police are on their way because they blame the Ghostbusters. And uh, the team rushes. They get Slimer into the tank. The police gently tap on the front door, which Janice calls banging. And they open it. This is a funny moment here where like it's actually not even funny. It's just weird. Like they, they can hear the police coming and Peter says, did you lock the door? And Winston says, yeah, when we came back. Like mm. his tone on that is like implying that he didn't lock it at another time. Huh? i I didn't understand that. And sure enough, the police walk in because the door is unlocked. Right. Uh they apprehend the Ghostbusters, and Egon barely has enough time to shut the containment unit off. Now, if you've seen the movie, when they did this in the past, it causes every ghost they've ever captured to come back out. But in this case, only one comes out, and that is the stay puffed marshmallow man. Um, this is one of the most famous ghosts in Ghostbusters. For those who don't know the background, it is the earthly manifestation of Gozer, uh, created when the Ghostbusters were told to create a form for the destroyer and trying to think of something harmless, Ray Stans thought of a marshmallow mascot and the result was a gigantic man made of marshmallow. Peter has a funny line here, or, well, there's a funny moment here where Peter says to this girl, or this woman, I should say, Hey, I bet I'm the only guy who is ever taking you to an unnatural disaster on the first date. And she responds by shrugging. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the Ghostbusters are using a radio to communicate with Slimer, and Slimer is directing Mr. Stay Puft. Uh Egon and Peter are in a police helicopter, they go to Central Park. Then Egon and Winston go to the rooftops and Peter and Ray get in their own worse helicopter. That's probably a toy.
0: Oh, it's the Ecto-2. <laughs> I Actually, thought... I think I think the toy has a different name, but I just yeah. thought
1: that was really funny that they took a helicopter to go get into a different worse helicopter. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that helicopter they can shoot out of more easily, right? I guess, I guess. It's a gyrocopter, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like the
1: helicopter that it's also a motorcycle in mask.
0: Yeah, or that uh, the guy from uh, Mad Max, Pilots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
1: So, yeah. So, anyway, uh, they lead the Marshmallow Man to the park, and a kaiju fight ensues between him and Murray the Mantis. The point seems to be to lure Murray to where all four Ghostbusters can hit him with their beams. And I guess the Marshmallow Man is necessary to hold him in place? Uh... And for some reason, their combined four blasts destroy the ghost, which isn't usually how it works. Like I said, it usually just holds them till they can trap the ghost. But um, Mm. this one gets destroyed. And um, now that the ghost is gone, the main police officer, Officer Frump, his main concern immediately and ridiculously turns to putting the parade back on.
0: (laughs) Hey, this is New York.
1: (laughs) Yeah, this is pre 9-11. I mean, there was a moment where Anne is just able to come and grab the megaphone out of his hands and he just lets her. <laughs> uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, the parade is back and the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man now takes the place of Marie the Mantis as the centerpiece balloon.
0: You know, I was thinking you said that the Stay Puffed was Gozer. Mm. I'm not sure that he is like and this is certainly not in this in this show, mm. but... I think Gozer tells them to choose the form of the destructor.
1: Well, I I actually went and watched that scene in the movie to make sure. Okay. And there's a voice. So there's the woman. There's a woman who is the avatar of Gozer and they shoot at her and she flies away. And then this voice tells them, she starts talking about Gozer the Gozerian, the destroyer, all this stuff. And it says to choose the form of the destroyer. And the fact oh, okay. that she referenced him as the Destroyer, and then said she was the form of the Destroyer, I took to mean that this was—and you never see that woman again. No. So I was under the assumption that Gozer had now taken on the form of the Marshmallow Man. I am willing to be corrected. Hmm.
0: Whatever the case, it's a far more benign Marshmallow Man.
1: Yeah. A um. And that might be because it's not the same one because they
0: destroyed the Marshmallow Man. They didn't capture him. Right. And actually, this series has uh, directly follows. The first episode has them coming into the fire hall covered in marshmallow goo. It does? Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And not not only that, but they all have the same brown uniforms (laughs) and they, they ditch them for new uniforms because they're covered in marshmallow goo.
1: That's amazing. That's awesome. I kind of want to go see that. I was yeah. I, I read that there was an episode that explained how they got Slimer as a pet, mm. um, because in the movie, Slimer is the first ghost that they capture. Um, yeah, he's he's not. It's the green ghost is the official name. And in this, he's just there hanging out with them. And I, I've I've read that there is an episode that explains how that happened. Um, I'd like to yeah. go see that
0: well i think the first one okay i will yeah.
1: take uh, yeah maybe it's, it's it would have everything to. you need it would have yeah. to
0: okay i should probably go watch the first episode <laughs> speaking of slimer and the show in general this might go off the charts on the pke meter for the maximum frank welkering of a cartoon oh boy <laughs> yeah I... you got slimer doing his meow, 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 meow voice and you got every ghost doing their voice that he does. And yep. And Ray doing and Ray yes. doing the default yeah. Frank Welker voice.
1: Yes. Yeah. Um, let's, yeah. let's talk about the voice cast a little bit. Um, oh my God. The obvious one that you need to talk about is Lorenzo music as Peter Love Venkman. Him. Yeah. Um, he was only the voice of, uh, of Peter for the first two seasons. Uh, there are conflicting stories as to why, um, it, there are some who say that Bill Murray heard it and his, his criticism when he saw the show was that he sounded too much like Garfield.
0: <laughs>
1: okay. I mean, you know, and then everybody knows Bill Murray after Lorenzo music died, Bill Murray did the voice of Garfield in the Garfield movies. So there's that, um, uh, Frank Welker is the current voice of Garfield, by the way. Well, of course he is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, who else so there's frank welker as ray lorenzo music as peter um maurice lamarche i did not know that he did egon oh and that's because he's perfect we've talked before about how great uh uh, uh, maurice lamarche's uh don adams was yeah like he's a perfect don adams he is a perfect harold Ramis. he sounds exactly like egon in the movie He doesn't look anything like Egon in the movie. He has (laughs) this ridiculous like pastry on his head and it's all blonde. Right. Um, But it's a great voice. And the thing that shocked me when I saw the credits for this, Mm. I had no idea that
0: Arsenio Hall was Winston Zedmore. He's good. Oh, yeah. You know, you know that. Yeah. You said that. Lorenzo music at some point stops doing Peter Venkman. I think he stops doing. There, there's segments where he doesn't do the voice for Winston. No,
1: they, there's somebody else takes over later.
0: Yeah, it feels wrong, and it's probably <laughs> why I was so passionate about this show. Like mm. for me, there was a transition. Like you know, I said I probably wouldn't have counted Muppet Babies. I counted this cartoon. Like mm. it went He-Man to Transformers. And then I probably split between real Ghostbusters and gummy bears Mm. and then to DuckTales. (laughs) Right, right. But you'd mentioned this show actually ran for many seasons, Mm -hmm. but the Saturday morning versions of them with the not Lorenzo music, well, I think they weren't even written as well. Now, I have have heard about episodes from later seasons that are kind of interesting because it's one of these shows where it's got like people that became major uh, writers and directors in Hollywood would write for Ghostbusters. So oh, one of the ones that I, I, I have not watched yet, but uh, it's kind of funny, is at one point they changed Janine's design. Yes. And then they create a in-story reason why she changed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wouldn't mind seeing that thing. But, um, I, you know, I wouldn't even mind seeing... Uh, extreme ghostbusters i i turned my nose up at it at the time but it is like a proper sequel my memory
1: of it like i remember seeing a little bit of it i know that egon is like teaching a class Mm -hmm. and it seemed there was a lot of black like it seemed like it was that drawn on black like batman and gi joe extreme were but i could be wrong i could be wrong i could be wrong about that maybe i am mixing it up with gi joe extreme
0: no this it, the the way it looks more like uh that era of Men in Black and Godzilla and mm. Big Guy and Rusty all those shows. Yeah. Oh and The Batman.
1: Yeah. By the way, we didn't mention who took over as uh Peter's voice. Mm-hmm. It was Dave Coulier. Yeah.
0: Uh, (laughs) By the way, by the way, I don't want to create the impression that I don't like uh, Frank Welker. I do.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's just that he's he was the first. He was the first of this string of voice actors who was in everything from the 80s through the
0: 90s. He really is in everything. Yeah. Like, I'm amazed at the number of live action movies where he's doing the voices of dogs and cats. (laughs) (laughs) So... Mm -hmm. uh. This episode of Real Ghostbusters, oh, actually, I should say in general, I thought that the Real Ghostbusters episodes felt like adaptations of tabletop role-playing game sessions. (laughs) Okay. Probably they were. (laughs) And the way I look at it, this is not the best episode. There's all kinds of inconsistencies and it's not that creative.
1: This episode just seems like fan service for the movie. It's kind of just like a retelling of all the hot points of the movie, you know?
0: Yeah, like this, there's
1: the Stay Puft Martial Man. Here's the part where they open the containment unit.
0: Well, I'm gonna further my analogy here. And the way this wasn't the best episode, this is like not the best game session, but still a good time because you get together with friends. Mm, yeah. In this case, in this case, your friends are, you know, are Peter Venkman as voiced by Lorenzo Music, and yeah, yeah, you know, Egon is voiced by Maurice LaMarche. Um, so. It still felt good, especially, you know, not having watched one of these in a handful of years. Yeah. And I, oh, boy, this is pithy here. (laughs) Um, If you don't love real Ghostbusters at its Murray the Mantis, you don't deserve it at its Knock Knock. (laughs) (laughs) That is a good episode. Knock Knock. I recommend checking that out. Yeah, I'll I'll take a look.
1: A couple of little things. Talking Mm -hmm. about voice acting, there was one point where I caught Canadian voice actor Maurice LaMarche saying, Sorry. Oh, really? (laughs) Yeah. Sorry, Peter. I should have remembered that mantises can jump. Um, I found, you know, I like this show. Um, Mm. Looking at it with a more critical eye, like I, you know, I had a lot of my criticisms in my little synopsis of it. Um, Mm. I will say that it's some very good art. I mean, the character design of Egon is kind of bleh, but like for the most part, the art is really good. Animation, Mm. not so much. Kind of a low
0: frame rate. Um, Depends on the episode. It fluctuates, right? This is not great. Yeah, this one is not great. But, you know, this is an okay show. Like,
1: yeah, because here's the thing. Ghostbusters is so good that, Mm. I mean, it's easy for me to say that anything based on Ghostbusters has to be equally good. But the second movie wasn't as good. And the third movie was, Hmm. That's interesting,
0: calling it the third movie. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's what it was. One of my friends astounded me by saying it was good. Holy cow. It was so bad. It's... uh, What a stinker. I can't believe how thin the characters (laughs) in that are. Right? They hardly do anything. Like, they have Melissa McCarthy in the movie, and her only real joke is, like, a running joke about (laughs) wontons. And... They could have given her more scenes, but instead they had to shoehorn in cameos galore one after another. All three living Ghostbusters. Yep. Yep. And, uh, well, I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'll, I'll really get off the off topic if I get into all the stuff I dislike in that movie, but. Okay. Well, suffice so that's just to say, you know, yeah, this era kind of before
1: they made the second movie, let's say when they were just yep. like building off of the first movie for the
0: sake of merchandising it. yep, they did. All right. This was a decent 80s cartoon, I think, largely because their voice actors are so good.
1: Yeah, it's it's real good voice acting. Like I said, I mean, it's hard not to hear Garfield in Lorenzo music. There's only one time that I've ever heard Lorenzo music not sound like that. Mm -hmm. And it was very interesting. And I'll get to that later.
0: Okay, you know, I think I kind of hate Garfield. <laughs> the yeah. cartoon anyway. Mm. Uh so I I order him as tummy gummy first. Who right. I love. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough.
1: But yeah, no, this was this was a good time. This was this was a decent like sample episode cuz I mean it's not great. It's got a lot of inconsistencies, but it's you know, there's a lot to talk about and it's got the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. And when you're a kid right. and and yeah, this is a good time. This is nice. Um, All right. Um, now, speaking of busting ghosts, as I alluded to last week.
0: Yeah, we have the original Ghostbuster.
1: Except for the original Ghostbusters.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think so, actually. <laughs> At any rate, it's Pac-Man. Yeah. Pac-Man was huge back in the day. Oh, boy. So now <laughs> this Pac-Man show is developed for television by Jeffrey Scott. The video game, the original one, um, you know, I feel that everyone should know what this is, but probably there are millennials who don't.
1: (laughs) He's in Smash Brothers.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Fighting Sora. (laughs) Um, So Pac-Man is a simple video game about a round yellow eating machine who must consume all the dots while evading ghosts in a maze. But when he eats a power pellet, he becomes invincible. And can eat the ghosts and their disembodied eyes hurry back to their lair to regenerate and hunt Pac-Man anew. So this is a Hanna-Barbera show that grants Pac-Man and all of his ilk arms and legs. The ghosts also get arms. (laughs) And nearly, this is Hanna-Barbera, remember, nearly everyone gets a hat or some hair. And it's sort of like the Flintstones or the Jetsons, how they would construct a world around a theme. Much about the setting is round. For example, Pac-Man's dog and cat have rounded watermelon-shaped bodies. Yeah. And strangely, the buildings kind of look like plastic versions of the stone buildings from Flintstones. It's Pac-Land. Yep. Now, Ms. Pac-Man, his wife, gets a proper name in the show, Pepper. I looked this up. Yeah. Well, go ahead. Finish what you were going to say. Oh, I'm saying I'm okay with that. But Pac-Man is, still remains Pac-Man, and worse, is nicknamed by everyone Packy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's rough. Um, I looked this up. This movie
1: or this this show was in mm-hmm. production when Ms. Pac-Man came out, so mm-hmm. they wouldn't have known that there was a character named Ms. Pac-Man
0: at this point. Oh, she even has a bow. So, mm. oh well. I mean, I'm guessing. Uh- I'm just no, looking, I'm they just, must, well, I'm just looking at, I'm
1: just looking at the timing. Like this would have been, this would have been started to be
0: produced in like 81, right? Well, I, the reason I say they must have known is because the ghosts include Inky, Blinky, Pinky and Clyde and the additional ghost from Ms. Pac-Man, suit. Oh, Sue. you're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. In
1: Fair this off.
0: case, these, these ghosts, they serve a greater evil, a humanoid named Mesmeron. But he doesn't really factor in the episode I'm going to be looking at today. So, this is uh, what I coin half episodes, yeah. as in there's two halves, different stories. The first one is pack Van Winkle. So, it starts Pac Man and his appropriately round dog, Chomp Chomp, embark on a hike together. Their trek leads to a witch's hovel. That is to say, a pack witch's hovel. She's got the round pack body. Pac-Man approaches the hovel to ask directions. Despite the witch's attempts to give away the game, an incredibly gullible Pac-Man drinks her sleeping potion. The delayed effects hit him on his way back home. He sleeps so long that by the time he wakes up, he's an old bearded Pac-Man. When he gets back to his house, he finds that a ghost couple lives there. And the police officer nearby is a hostile ghost as well. His escape under the pavement is provided by the ragged remnants of pack civilization. There, he reunites with an old pepper, his wife, and a grown up pack baby. The aged hero <laughs> is. <laughs> yeah. Grown-up. His name is Pack Baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, well, no, is voiced by Frank Welker.
0: <laughs> of course he is. Doing his Freddie Jones. Doing his race stands. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess doing his natural speaking voice, kind of? Yeah. Um, anyway, the aged hero is filled in on the details, and in his absence of 20 years of sleep, Mesmeron took over the power forests, and the ghosts took over Pack land. In a bid to revolt, the Pack family disguises themselves as ghosts and power pellet inspectors. It works well enough for them to accidentally find the power pellets, but their FXC has failed because they've staled over 20 years. The aged ghosts chase down the family and chomp them to really no repercussion. (laughs) Maybe the witch who gave him the sleeping potion can fix his problem. Luckily, she does have a six pack of the antidote potion to put Pac-Man back in time and de-age him. Now, there's there's a gag that's done twice here where Pac-Man uses the witch's nose as a door knocker <laughs> because she sticks it through the peephole in her door. <laughs> that's kind of weird, isn't it? it? Y- well, yes. Yeah.
1: It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those things that's done just for the gag.
0: So that's the end of this thing. But then there's a Pac-Mania. It's a short gag segment, segment where g- 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 ghost monsters chase Pac-Man... At Pack National Park, but he leads them over old packful geyser just as it erupts. Interesting that they're... I don't... Yeah, It's, go it's
1: weird that they're ghost monsters. They're not ghosts. They're ghost monsters.
0: Yeah, you know, I should have had a look. I think they might be called that in the video game. Mm. Maybe not, though, because like every bite was uh, <laughs> conserved in the old days. So I think they would have just called them ghosts. I don't know that it even said it. Yeah. I I read that there was a debate early on in the construction of the show, whether they're ghosts or monsters, and they ended up being ghost monsters. Hmm. I might just be contriving this, but I figured that if they're ghost monsters, they're not necessarily the spirits of somebody who's dead. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. I'll buy that. So a thing about this is that PAC society fell because Pac-Man wasn't around, Right. Right but maybe their true crisis is learning that power pellets lose their power over time. Well, yeah. That. Especially, I mean, especially
1: since they literally grow on trees, like you would think well, that it, the supply is yeah. constantly being refreshed, but if the trees just stop, <laughs> if the trees stop growing fresh power pellets in 20 years, they're on a timer.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they, if they always grow on trees. I think they do. I think that's the point of the power forest. Yeah. I don't know. It may it may just be a badly written episode. Who knows? <laughs> now here's another thing: the dynamics of ghost chomping. Okay, so this happens in the show where ghosts surround a pack person and make little chomp 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 sounds. Yep. and then to varying degree, the ghost is like worn out afterwards. Like, oh, they have they took took me took it out of me getting bitten by all these ghosts. Yeah, they just beat him up. Yeah, and. Okay, so here's the thing. I think people probably assumed from the video game that the ghosts ate Pac-Man since the game is themed around eating. Mm. But I was thinking that I look at his at Pac-Man's dying animation, you know, where he kind of uh, arches apart and then wilts to nothing. Yeah, his like his mouth opens so wide that it just, you know,
1: his body becomes negative space.
0: Yeah, and he disintegrates. Yeah. I was thinking instead he probably dies of fright or that they age him to death like Dungeons and Dragons ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> okay, sure. Uh, anyway, why don't we get on to the other half episode? Yeah. Happy giving. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> so, Grandpac and Pack, the grandparents... Visit the pack household for packs giving. I don't think the Smurfs say Smurf as much as they say pack in the show.
1: Oh, I you know what? In another forum where we sometimes communicate when you weren't around, I said something very similar, except I didn't use the word pack. I said the word chomp because the boy, they say the word chomp a lot in this. But I said the (laughs) same thing about Smurfs.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Great minds. (laughs) So Graham Pack puts a headband on pack baby so that he can look like a pack Indian. <laughs> That's becoming a running theme in our show, too. Uh, so Nanapak stalls the feast of turkey and power pellets to tell the story of the very first Packsgiving. Back in 1620, the pack pilgrims sailed their ship, the pack flower, to the new world <laughs> Packland.
1: Just hearing you say it is cracking me up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, the uh, the Pac family and even their pets stand in for these historic figures. And when they arrive in the New World, the Pac menfolk build shelter while the Ms. Pac menfolk plant <laughs> power pellet trees. Uh, during the frigid winter, Miles Pac Man for whom our Pac-Man is a stand-in, and his dog venture out to find Firewood. This episode is padded out by the cat's failed attempts to antagonize the dog. Uh, I really like the way these pets look, but their capers are not that great. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah. Also interesting, the cat is named Sourpuss, so it's the second Sourpuss to make it into animation celery. (laughs) Oh, by the way, the cat is uh, voiced by Peter Cullen. <laughs> That's who Peter
1: Cullen was. I saw his name in the credits and wasn't sure.
0: Not just that. We'll get to that anyway. Okay. Uh, so um, my point is the 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 pets are uh, Megatron and Optimus Prime. Oh. Um, so we're giving a look ahead to when Pac-Man and uh, the, his dog are walking. We're going to look ahead to a teepee with ghost designs on it. <laughs> and... Oh, my God, the ghosts are the natives. <laughs>
1: now, now, listen. Yeah. From a design standpoint and from a yes. voice standpoint, these are some of the least offensive Indian stereotypes that I've seen in a cartoon. They're oh, not. yes. They're not like, we chomp them, heap big pack folk or something <laughs> like that.
0: <laughs> give me more, give me more of that. <laughs> no, but but it's funny the pack people uh, they're you know they're Puritan pilgrims right right so they speak with thou and thee yes kind of kind of half-heartedly because they don't say things like I goest out or you know they don't yeah they go halfway but the ghosts also talk like that in this huh. like you like you said rather than you know um, <laughs> so Sue the ghost ventures out to find something to chomp. She spies Pac-Man returning with firewood and so alerts all the other ghosts so they can victimize the Pack pilgrims They dress Enki as a turkey so that they can infiltrate and the disguise lures Pac-Man out, but he evades them and retreats back into the cabin and barricades it. That's no match for Pinky because Pinky channels the big bad wolf and blows the cabin down. The Pack folk try to eat their power pellets from their trees. But they're frozen. <laughs> but luckily, the sun comes up just then and instantly, sufficiently, thaws them. And then the powered-up packs chase down the ghosts and eliminate them. Chomp them. Yes. And it's so inspiring that they hold the first packs giving to celebrate the purge of the natives from their new colony. But actually... They put a Band-Aid on that, the story writers do, because the pack people invite the native ghosts in their reconstituted form to the table to share in the feast. (laughs) So this series sure ended on a high note because this was the last episode.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it it ended with pack people making friends with ghost monsters 300 years ago.
0: Yeah, which apparently eroded. Yeah. (laughs) Which... Means that when the headband went down on a pack baby, that he was also role-playing as a ghost? Oh, well, anyway. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, now I'm thinking about it and I'm thinking like, so this whole story is really just ghosts militantly trying to take back the land that was taken from them by the white men. (laughs)
0: Yes. (laughs) By the pack folk. Uh, Yeah. And I guess uh, pack people... Fleeing for uh, religious freedom as well, mm. I guess.
1: <clears throat> um, <laughs> Europe was full of monkeys
0: throwing barrels at people. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, believe it or not, I was really hoping we'd get to Pac-Man <laughs> sooner or later <laughs> on the show. <laughs> Why not? Uh, I wanted to check it out because it's absurd. Yeah. You know what surprised me? Uh because of the look of the show and the theme music, I thought that this was derived from the Pac-Land video game. Mm. It, it's the other way. Yeah. The develop, like Namco, saw this show and went, Yeah, that's Cracker Jack. <laughs> <laughs> and they decided that Pac-Man should have arms and legs and it should have that music. Th- yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I have tried. Have you ever played Pac-Land?
1: Pac-Lan. I'm trying to think because there's so many Pac-Man. I actually just happened to have a Wikipedia page open here for uh, Pac-Man video games.
0: Pac-Man. It's a side-scroller. Oh, that And he's got arms and legs. Yeah.
1: Oh. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a stage of that in Smash Brothers.
0: Yeah. I played it on emulation Hmm. out of curiosity, and there's a part where you have to time a spring jump, (laughs) very much like the springs from uh, Super Mario 2 Lost Levels. Oh, okay. Except the timing, I could not understand. I didn't get it once by accident, and I gave up. This game is not good enough for me to to feel this frustrated. Anyway, um, so (laughs) I like that version of Pac-Man better with the pie eyes, and he's got... Better proportions. Yeah, this is this is pure 1980 Hanna Barbera for sure. Yeah. That said, I do like the pets, the ghosts. Uh, mm. I don't know. Yeah. Now, <laughs> this is adapted by Jeffrey Scott, who has written way too many shows for us to list, <laughs> but they do include Muppet Babies, and of course, most importantly. Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he did episodes that we've reviewed, too, actually. Probably. Now, there's a voice cast that's worth looking at here. Uh, Chuck McCann voices Blinky and Pinky. Mm-hmm. And his distinctive voice is recognizable as Duckworth and Burger Beagle on the original DuckTales. That's where I knew
1: that from. I've been, yeah. I've been racking my brain trying to remember where
0: I knew that voice from. Oh, well, I'll get you some more here. Okay. Uh, dump the the air pirate dump truck from Tailspin. Okay. Um, and the Amoeba Boys from Powerpuff Girls. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's all of them. His, he was. You get, see, you get to see the full range of his voice work in the Amoeba Boys.
1: He is. Uh, I think the character's name is Mo in um, Adventure Time. Oh, okay. He's the human who created the Mo line of robots, hmm. including Bimo.
0: Oh, okay. Huh. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So we've also got Neil Ross, who voices the boss ghost Clyde. Mm-hmm. He's done a ton of superhero stuff, including Green Goblin from the '90s Spider-Man. But again, most importantly. We have heard him as mean Gene Okerlund in Hulk Hogan's Rock and Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's another animation celly regular with Rusi Taylor, who is insufferable as Pack baby <laughs> Oh, 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 man. Oh, her baby talk.
1: Insufferable is a great word.
0: Maybe not all her fault, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> She works with what she's given. Talking about herself in the third
1: pack, baby, what eat
0: or something like that. You know, like ugh, yeah, gross. Yeah, yeah. And Frank Welker, as you noted, voices the adult pack baby as well as the dog Chomp Chomp. Yep. Peter Optimus Prime Cullen voices Sourpuss the cat and Graham Pack. Hmm. Um. I'm a bit sad that this episode didn't feature Super Pack. There you go. <laughs> Since he's voiced by. My man, Lorenzo Music. Did you go and check for an episode that had Super Pack in it?
1: I have not yet, no. I did. Do you remember earlier when I said there was only one time where I didn't hear Lorenzo Music sounding like Garfield?
0: Oh, he stretched for Super Pack?
1: He stretched for Super Pack. Okay. Yeah, you gotta check it out.
0: Okay, I will, I will. Um, Yeah. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You know on top of this being a little garbagey. <laughs> yeah. It was hard to find. Was it? A lot of Oh yeah, yeah. I, I except for that uh the site wouldn't let me. I tried to buy it on Google Play. <laughs> 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 this episode. Eventually I did find it. I remember like, "Oh yeah, of course that one. Ah oh, yeah, where Matsy looks. Okay. Mm, yeah, okay, I was going to say I can direct you right where it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um it's okay <laughs> no 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 what am i saying this is this is bad this is garbage <laughs> but that's why i wanted to see it yeah, right yeah <laughs> yeah
1: it's uh-huh. i mean you know it's hannah barbera so like the animation and the art is decent like it's it's it might be better animated than ghostbusters if not drawn better um, well less ambitious yeah but... um it has it has, you know, a lot of the stuff that you recognize from the 80s, like when they eat those power pellets, it's that same yeah. chew noise that uh, the same noise that uh, Lou Albano made when he was eating that beard hoagie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the fu- the funniest thing, I think, by far, we've done <laughs> <The> beard hoagie. <laughs> it, even
1: funnier than the cap the uh, the pirate ship in um, Spartacus. Oh,
0: yeah, I think the Beard Hoagie stands supreme for me. <laughs> um, I got one more note about this, and it's actually just about the video game that I find weird. Okay. So there's a ghost named Blinky. Yep. Back in the day, he'd only be a palette swap because, as I said, every bite mattered. But in modern incarnations of Pac-Man, why doesn't he blink? It's weird, uh, right? Um, I guess, yeah. Maybe I only think so. <laughs> I I saw a YouTube
1: video once that explained the AI of all four ghosts. Like they do. Yeah. They do behave differently. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah but, yeah. but yeah, I guess you're I guess you're right. Like Blinky. <laughs> they could have made him blink.
0: Well, get on that Namco.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody go in and fix that code.
0: Anyway, as for us, we got something to get on
1: to. Oh, boy, do we ever. We have a very ambitious project. So we mentioned last week that (laughs) two weeks from then, which is next week now, uh, we're going to look we're going to look at something that was suggested by one of the celery stalkers. And we are going to watch Rocky and Bullwinkle. But not only are we going to watch Rocky and Bullwinkle, we are going to watch the entire first story arc of Rocky and Bullwinkle, which is called Jet Fuel Formula.
0: Now, we're only going to be looking at the Rocky and Bullwinkle segments. The Fractured Fairy Tales, Mr. Peabody, Dudley Do-Right, that's all optional.
1: Yeah, because this covers 20 episodes. (laughs) So, yeah, that's... That's going to be quite a job. I mean, it'll it'll be easier if we skip the middle parts of each episode, but uh, this is a big deal. This is going to be a big, uh, big undertaking for us. So look forward to that. Now, it is Thanksgiving or it will. Yeah, it's Thanksgiving basically here in Canada. Uh, I am thankful for all the celery stalkers that listen to our show and especially the ones that share it. We would love it if lots of people knew about this show and got to, uh, listen to it and watch it and enjoy it. So be sure to share it on all of your, I mean, if Facebook still exists now, I don't know, it might be dead. Um, but you can do it on Twitter or I don't know, TikTok. um, tell people about animation celery. Uh, tell me about it. Uh, you can find me at AC Matzy on Twitter
0: and I'm at drabswatch on Twitter. Now, rest well, for tomorrow we stop the smoggies. When the morrow comes, by Geppel's goo and Honeybee's grand posterior. Let cry the celery stalker's slogan! You watch this stuff, do you, Egan? A good scientist is open to everything, Peter. This is a, a morality play filled with complexities.